friends. Welcome to the Brave Enough Podcast. Grab some coffee, sit back, or enjoy your drive, and let's get authentic, real, and into the good stuff. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut, and I'm so excited to hang out with you today, where we're going to talk about life and work and all the messy stuff in between. So get ready. In Season 2, Episode 23, Sasha interviews Kat Harris. Kat is a Brooklyn-based online educator and well-known editorial photographer. Now here's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. It's your host, Dr. Sasha Shilkut. want to welcome you to the show today. I have an amazing guest, and I'm super pumped to get into this discussion. I was reading her bio, and I listened to her podcast, and we have a lot in common, so I'm super excited to chat with her today and bring you some encouragement and some wisdom and some contemplation. But before I do, I want to encourage you, if you are a woman who is looking for a girls weekend getaway, I want to encourage you to check out the Brave Enough Conference. It is that time of year where we are starting to plan and prep for the most amazing women's conference ever. This year, the Brave Enough Women's Conference is going to be located in Scottsdale in September, and you can find all about it on braveenoughconference.com. I want to encourage you because let me tell you, you do not need to know anybody to come to this conference. You can come not knowing a soul and you will leave with a tribe. We have an entire program planned for exactly that. So if you're listening and you're an introvert or you're just a little shy or you're socially like, "Eh, I don't know about that, just check it out. And you can even email me at sasha at becomebraveenough.com. I would love to help you distill any fears or answer any questions you have about it. It's going to be an amazing weekend you get CME if you are a physician woman. And more importantly, you get inspiration because I know in my heart that when women come together and they hear other women sharing their stories, something magical happens. And there's a lot of data to suggest that if you go to women-focused career conferences, you actually leave in the next year stronger than when you came, meaning you're more likely to go up for promotion. You're more likely to get a raise. You're more likely to stand up for yourself because what you recognize is that things that you're struggling with, other women are struggling with, and perhaps they found answers to how to navigate around challenges or obstacles, or just having a friendship, a tribe with other women. It's so powerful. So go to braveenoughconference.com and check it out or email me. But let's get in to our guest today. Welcome to the Brave Enough Show. I am so honored today to have an amazing guest on the show Kat Harris. She is based in Brooklyn and she's an online educator. She creates amazing digital content. She has a beautiful website that you can get lost in just on based on the art. And she is a photographer who's been well published in multimedia. Mostly, however, she really is an advocate for women. And so much of the content on her website resonated with me. So I'm so honored to have you on the show today. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful that our paths have crossed. And I mean, you're such a baller, like getting (laughs) all these incredibly successful, like efficient, amazing women together and building this online community. I just am like, wait, you want to talk to me? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's really cool because, um, Uh, you know, someone from someone like me who has a job in medicine and science, Mm. actually putting myself on a website was terrifying. Mm. And I really lacked any business acumen or 
media or any of this creativity side of, I, I'm a very, I think creative person inside, but I didn't have an avenue and it felt so mm. awkward. So mm-hmm. it actually took me 10 months to actually push publish on my blog, just a simple wow. blog. Cause I was so afraid. Yeah. So I actually look at someone like you and all that you're doing and all that you've done. And you are so inspiring to someone like me. Oh. So yeah. I think this is what we do as women. We kind of, we, we think everyone else has it together or everyone totally. is like more successful than us. But most of the time we have some special skill or expertise or knowledge that other women would benefit when we, when we share. So I'm so excited you're Absolutely. coming on the show. Absolutely. And I also just to acknowledge, it's a weird world that we live in where so much of what we do, like there's that, there's the whole social media component and quote unquote, being the face of your brand. And so you're like, wait, like I'm a doctor, but wait, I have to like have the social media presence and all these professional photos. And for the, a big part of my career as a photographer, I was behind the camera. And then the more I started speaking, it was like, well, you need to have more photos up of yourself. And I'm like, wow, like it's, it can feel, I think, overwhelming and daunting. So I just want to acknowledge and validate that because it's a, it's kind of weird, right? It's like, Oh, I have my career as lawyer, doctor, teacher, entrepreneur, whatever. And then there's this added element in our culture today of also quote unquote, like being your brand and being the face of your brand. And I still like, I don't feel super comfortable with it. So, um, I, I'm, I've been in it for a long time now, but it's still kind of, I can have like moments of being like, God, this is weird. Or, I have bags under my eyes today. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Or like, okay, I just want to go to the grocery store in sweatpants and no makeup. And what if someone sees me or what if someone takes a picture or like, yes, I totally have that feeling. So I am currently in my yoga pants and Uggs and no makeup. So (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Like how did you go from being, you know, behind the camera to this digital content creator and this, you know, person that has their own brand and empowering other women to do the same? Yeah. So great question. Um, so I've been a full-time photographer for over 10 years now and I still am. And it's, it's funny cause I don't promote it anymore. I haven't promoted like publicly or on social media for a few years now that I shoot, but I mean, I've, it's a still the, like a massive leg of what I do. Um, And so I got into photography 10 years ago, working for one of the top photographers in the nation. I had no idea how to edit a photo. I had no idea how to turn on a camera. And this guy just took a chance on me. And I am still so grateful for that. And I produced all of his shoots. I went to all of his campaigns with him and weddings and events and the, the, I think the changing moment for me came a few years into working for him. I was getting more and more experience and starting to book my own gigs under him. And then he couldn't accept this job in New York because it was below his, um, below his rate. And so I find myself on this plane to New York city. I've never done an editorial campaign before by myself. And don't, like, I didn't even know how to use the equipment. Like I was like Googling on the plane. How do I not <laughs> blow up a photo studio? Um, and I 
got on set and I had worked really hard to create a team on that set that was positive. And like, I, I got an all female stylist, hair and makeup. I fed my models. I fed my team, which at the time was pretty countercultural in the fashion industry to feed the people that are working for you and just made it a point to just make sure that no one was body shaming or gossipy on set. And it just was one of those days where I, it like flew by in a second. I felt like I was totally living in my zone. And at the end of the day, the model came up to me and this girl has been on the cover of magazines all over the world and like comes up to me shyly and says, thank you so much for asking me my name today. Like no photographer has ever asked me my name before. Mm. And I just, it was, it like stopped me in my tracks and I just felt like, wow, like wow. here's this girl who is absolutely gorgeous. And by all accounts of like worldly standards should have all the confidence in the world. Yet something about me taking the time to look her in the eye throughout the time we were working together and get to know her left a mark on her and that left a mark on me. And so kind of long story longer, what led me to start The Refined Woman is I got more and more into the fashion industry. I was shooting runway, backstage, editorial campaigns. And the more and more, I just felt as though it was fun. It felt glamorous and sexy. But I was like, you know, and this this industry says that I matter because of the status I have, the the number on the scale, how many followers I do or do not have, the clothes and brands I'm wearing. And I just felt like I want to offer a different dialogue in this industry. I want to have a conversation that says I matter because of who I am from the inside out. I want to have meaningful dialogues with people. And so... I think it was after shooting 12 seasons of runway, I left New York fashion week one season and just felt like I'm going to start a blog. And so I did, I, I started it almost, I think I, I really need to get it down. It was either seven or eight years ago. It's kind of all blurring together now, but it actually started as a style blog. And I started it with my other editorial photographer friend and we would do style posts. Like, you know, here's my outfit, which like didn't last super long for me because I just am not the biggest fashion person. <laughs> um, but we, we noticed that the more, like having this platform, it almost became this online resume for us of people we were working with, stories we were telling. And when things started to really shift for the refined woman is when I started sharing my own personal story of struggling with anxiety, struggling with burnout, my dating life in New York City, um, <laughs> like all these things. And I, so that's when things kind of really, the community really started growing. And when I zoom out and think of it, I'm like, well, yeah, we all want, like, we, we all connect when, when the, when the shiny mask of perfection is like thrown to the wayside, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's how it started. And my why is I want to, I want to be a space and community for women where, like you, like where we all know we are welcome here. Like my voice matters. I have a story to tell. Um, I'm not alone. Just kind of speaking into 
so many of the insecurities that, first of all, I had. I was like, I have, I feel insecure about this, so I'm going to put that out there. And I realized the more I did that, the more and more women were like, oh my gosh, I feel the same way. I just didn't know I was allowed to say that publicly. I love that. Um, and I love that it came from such a change. Like here you're in this, you know, industry where perfection is king and the way you look and the way you, your status and all this, and you went completely the opposite. And then mm. it sounds like it had such an impact in people by mm. going inside instead of externally, but like turning inside and getting honest and real and vulnerable with your followers or with other people. And I find that all the time. I mean, I just recently went to a conference that was all about building your followers and social media. And I had such anxiety after being in mm. the audience. I was like, I got to get out of this place because mm. um, mm-hmm. I, I, the measure was all these, you know, metrics of, of numbers and followers and impressions. And I'm like, I don't want any of that. Like I would rather have, you know, 3000 people that follow me that, um, connect with me and that I can help than, you know, 300,000 because I am a size zero cause I'm never mm. going to be a size zero. So, mm. um, I, th- I think that I love what you said about your community really growing when you got honest and when you got real mm-hmm. and when you got vulnerable about your own struggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's very similar to how I started my online community. Mm. Uh, when I, when I, when I think when we share our struggles with women, with other women, we normalize failure. We normalize insecurity. We, we normalize mm-hmm. being human. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think because most what I tell myself all the time is the only person expecting me to be perfect as myself. Like no one else has that expectation on me. And how crippling is that? Like perfectionism kills creativity. It puts us in isolation from others. It puts us in isolation from ourselves. And even just along the lines of, you know, growing the following or the social media stuff, like, you know, first and foremost, before I can be honest with others, I have to be living an honest, vulnerable, authentic life with myself. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, if I'm just doing that for strangers on the internet, it makes me a hypocrite <laughs> and, you know, just wearing the biggest mask of all. Cause we can wear masks of vulnerability. We can, you know, put stuff out there on the internet. That's like, Oh, I'm struggling with this. And then your mom's like, I didn't know you had that struggle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or your best friend is like, Whoa, like I listened to that podcast. I had no idea what you're going through. Yes. That. Isn't and, that interesting? Know, like, I think it is. I, but I think that's a really, I think that's a huge problem because it's a false sense of intimacy mm-hmm. and we're teaching from scabs, not scars. Mm. And so that's something I'm super passionate about is yes. Like let's be vulnerable, but let's also not get like caught up in living a life for strangers. Right. Um, on the internet. Yes. Yes. And I think it's, it's also really interesting because I think for me, one of the most odd things about being, having a brand on the internet, which is quite terrifying, um, for someone like myself who is in academia and it's just a a different path. And then being like, okay, I'm going to like dip my toe in social media and Mm. have a voice. Um, 
I think one thing that I have learned that I, 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 I haven't figured it out yet, but is that people have expectations of you to care or react about things that they mm-hmm. care or react about. And it's, it's like if you were in a room and you were talking passionately about, I don't know, let's say frozen yogurt and you were talking all about it and I didn't really care about frozen yogurt. Like I would just sit there quietly and listen to you, but there would be no pressure on me to engage in a conversation or have an opinion about it. But I feel like on social media, um, once you become a leader really, cause that's what it, I mean, what you're doing is you, you have a voice, you have an impact. Um, that's one thing that I still struggle with. It's like something mm. s- other people will, will expect me to react or to weigh in on something that mm. either I don't care about, or I don't have an opinion about, cause I don't know enough about it. Or, mm-hmm. um, I do care deeply about it, but I'm not going to put it, I'm, I'm going to talk to like my close people about it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, I think that's a struggle. I mean, I don't know. Have you struggled with that, like how much to reveal, how much to keep private? Yeah. I mean, I think early on in my business, this was probably close to eight or nine years ago. One of my mentors said, I sent her this article about a breakup that I had just gone through and was like, I'm like ready. I can't wait to like share this with the world. And it's like, you know what, like very, it was a very small blog at the time. So it was like my mom and my aunt and my sisters, you know? Um, and she was like, why don't you sit on this for six months and we'll revisit it. And I was like, why? Like I'm going through this and this is like my story. And she was like, because you're going through it, like you're living in it right now. And she really encouraged me to never share things in real time with people on the internet, like strangers, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but to really make sure I had a core group of people that I was really being honest with and doing life deeply with on a day-to-day, um, on a day-to-day level. And so I think because I, I just, I, I was like, okay, I feel like that's a really good idea. That sounds like wisdom to me. Um, I, I just, I put up that boundary and I also think like no one is entitled to my time. Like no one is entitled to me sharing something that I don't feel comfortable sharing. And, um, I, I think it can, I, I can understand totally why it can feel like, oh, I have to say this, or this person is expecting this for me. But I think that kind of goes back to like boundaries 101, like boundaries with myself, like mm-hmm. what I, what I am willing and not willing to do. What does, what does work-life balance mean for me? Um, and just really constantly reminding myself, like the best, I know that I'm going to be the best version of myself. If I am, if I have like healthy boundaries with myself first and my, my real life people before my business. Um, cause I think then it just, if all I'm doing is making myself, um, if I'm reacting, you know, which yes. is super easy to do as an entrepreneur, it's like, you know, it's so easy for me to like put out all the little flames all day. And then I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I haven't finished that chapter on my book that I 
committed to myself. Um, so I think like boundaries is a huge part of that conversation of, um, like, first of all, like no one's entitled to my time. I'm, and I'm not a victim to other people's, um, like their expectations of me. And it's okay. If I say no, it's like, my no is enough. I don't have to be like, no, because I'm busy or no, because I'm, I'm not ready to talk about that publicly. Like my no is enough. Um, and I was, I was not always like that, but, um, I just, I think, especially after really struggling with adrenal fatigue and some autoimmune stuff in the last five years, I just feel like, no, I, I, I cannot live my life in bondage to like what everyone else expects me to do or be. Cause then I'm not able to be me. I love that. I love that. And it's so radical. <laughs> <laughs> because I have, I coach so many women who really struggle with the guilt complex. Um, mm-hmm. They're either letting their work down or they're letting their family down. And I'm like, well, what about you? Like, what is it that you feel is the healthiest for you? You know, mm-hmm. not the right, not even if you, it, not what's right for everybody else or not what's going to make everyone like you, but mm-hmm. what is actually the healthiest thing for you right now? Because mm-hmm. most of the time they know what that is, but it, it requires a difficult conversation or a crucial conversation mm-hmm. if they know, and you don't need to explain anything more. Um, mm-hmm. but it's very, very difficult for women. And I'm, when I say that I'm talking to women who have, you know, terminal degrees like they have like tons of education or tons of what would be perceived as leadership or power but Mm -hmm. they still feel like they owe something to everyone Um, right well we're we're trained we're we're indoctrinated with that message as women mm -hmm. especially I think this is a massive backlash in the feminist movement or like all of that that's going on is like, you can do anything you want. And it's like, you actually can't do all things all at once no. like without <laughs> having like a massive, without paying a massive cost. Like I can't be the CEO and the perfect wife and the perfect mom and like the perfect Pilates body all at once. Yes. Like something has to give. And also like, we're not taught to stand up for our voice. No, Like right. if I, you know, a man can be like, no, I'm not going to do that. And it's like, oh, cool. He's, you know, whoa, strong man. And if a woman's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Then it's like, well, why? Well, there has to be a reason or she's being a B word, you know? Um, so I just think the more that we can strengthen that muscle within us as women, like the better it's going to serve all of us. Like, like it's, I just think the myth of like, we have to do all things for all people, like at all times. I'm like, no, I yes, can't. yes, I know <laughs> it's, it's backbreaking. Like, it's and, crippling. and then, you know, what happens is you, be, you become almost addicted to the martyrdom mentality. Oh, totally. So then it becomes like this ego boost where like, oh, I'm the hardest worker. I always have to do this. I never sleep. Mm -hmm. I'm the person that everybody calls because nobody else can get it done right. And Mm -hmm. it feeds your, in a weird way, it starts to feed your ego. So even though you may be complaining about it and you may be like feeling burned out and run down. Mm -hmm. And when someone says, well, just stop doing it. You're like, well, I can't, I mean, who would do it? It's actually coming. Mm -hmm. You're coming from a place of ego when you talk like that. I mean, I'm guilty of this as well. And then I go, oh my gosh, okay. There's a problem. If I think I'm the only person that can do this job, right? Absolutely. (laughs) there's a major problem. Um, Oh yeah. So I think we have to really re recognize that in ourselves too. Absolutely. And you know, the reality is 
there's a price we pay for all of our decisions, but there's also a reward we get. So it could be like, oh, like, I'm so tired. I'm so burnt out. Like whatever the martyr conversation is. But ultimately you, if I'm still choosing that behavior, I'm getting a reward from it, whether it's I really want to feel needed. I want to feel wanted. I want to feel important. And until the price I'm paying, whether that's like health, sleep, relationships, um, sanity, until the price outweighs the reward I'm getting, my behavior won't change. Um, so I, I do think that we get a lot out we get a lot out of it. Otherwise we wouldn't do it. You know, Mm -hmm. like I, I coach a lot of single women in the dating space and they're like, Oh, like guys just, you know, text me late on a Friday night to meet up. And I'm like, if you stop responding, like if we, if collectively as women, we stopped responding to those late night texts, guess what? They'd knock it off. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. We teach people how to treat us. (laughs) Yes, we do. And, and also we teach people how to take power, like how to give them away our power. And I I see that all the time. Um, Mm. And I think that it's really hard because I also think there's this element of, uh, you know, I want everyone to, I I have to be perfect for people to like me. And I honestly Mm. feel like there's so much pressure on women. So when women are like, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm feeling burned out. I I'm feeling overwhelmed. I don't have time for myself. I'm like, that's because you're living in 2020 and you're a woman that's called the reality of, of life today, where Mm. you go on social media and all you see is perfection and you, feel instantly guilty or you do a scan of yourself, right? Even subconsciously you're doing a scan and then you go to work and you're being, you know, the message like you told us before is you should be able to do everything at your job. And then you come home and you're supposed to have an amazing relationship or you're supposed to be thinking about your family or building a family or taking care of people. And you're supposed to also be Mm. having fun and post pictures of yourself like on vacation. Mm. And it's, it's, there's so much pressure I think on women today. And we fall into that trap of, well, I, I should be doing more or I should be Mm. achieving more or I should be looking more. And, um, I feel like the more we're real on social media and the more we share, um, what we can't do, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that that it brings it back to reality. Cause I see right. it even in my daughter, like the very little social media that she sees, I, I see it even changing the way she sees herself or the measure of mm-hmm. herself. And it breaks my heart. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think one of the important things to do is I heard you say a lot in that, what you're just saying, well, I should do this. I should, I should, I'm supposed to like says who, like, I think one of the words that I really try to remove from my vocabulary is should Mm. like, because when I say I should, um, well, when I say I should, I'm not dealing with what I want. So I'm shutting my heart off and my desire and I am living only from a space of expectation or obligation of what other people want for me. Well, I should go to that party, but do you want to go to that party? What is it that I really want? And until we really allow ourselves to kind of dig to that space, we're not really able to make decisions from freedom, you know? Mm -hmm. So when I say, oh, I should go to that party. Well, then I, okay, well, then I'm becoming a victim to the party. But if I say, well, I really don't want to go to the party, 
but I committed to it and I, I want to be my word. So I'm going to go, or I can say, you know what? I really don't want to go to the party. I'm really tired. And I just, I'm going to let my friend know and trust that she's going to support my decision for healthy boundaries. And so I think just identifying when we start saying I'm supposed to, or I should like, well, first of all, says who, and second of all, like the, like the people in our lives are going to be blessed by our boundaries. Like, I don't think that a boundary is a blessing for me and a short change to another person. Like, I just don't think that's how boundaries work. I think boundaries can sometimes feel invasive, especially if we haven't had them. Like they're like bumper cars, but ultimately like if it's in my best interest to, um, stand up for myself, then it's also in that person's best interest as well. And I think as much as we can to really start, um, like navigating and identifying those places where we're doing things out of obligation. So for example, I have not posted on Instagram and I think I've posted twice in 2020 and until I get, because I feel like I should, Right. I feel obligated to because it's my online business and brand. And I understand logically why it's good for me to be posting consistently to beat the algorithm and yada, yada, yada. But I don't want to live from a place of should. I want to live from a place of wholeness and freedom. And so I'm taking a step back from that. And until I can figure out what's a sustainable game plan with Instagram that I feel really good about um, and feels like a win-win, not just a win for others and a lose for me, but let's create win-win scenarios. Then I'm going to take a little pause and trust that my business isn't going to fall apart. I'm not going to fall apart. And that, that, that those zoom out moments, like we have to give ourselves those moments to really pause and be like, okay, what's working here. What's not working here? What am I making myself a victim to? What do I feel obligated to? Is there anything here I could delegate? Um, and, and not saying as, as business owners and as professionals, we all have roles in our jobs that we don't like. And we just have to suck up and do, you know, so I'm not saying only do that thing that lights you up because I'm like, well, what a privilege. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Like, well, I just want to go to yoga and (laughs) eat some pizza. That's what lights me up. Like we all have responsibilities, you know, but just coming from a space of like, okay, how can I create a win-win and get those shoulds and supposed to out of my life? Yes. And, and I think it's also, I love this. I love that you are so honest about how you're withdrawing so that you, you're coming from a place of, of freedom because, um, as I talked about before, like that's how I was sitting in this conference and I was actually like recognizing how much I was starting to all of a sudden feel like I was somehow lacking something. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I didn't come here feeling that way, but why Mm -hmm. do I all of a sudden I'm getting caught up in this. And so it was really important for me to recognize that. But at the same time, like I know if I adopted that, the strategies, I probably would in in their measure of success, be more successful, but that's not why I got into social media to begin with. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's not why I did this. And so I think it's, and it doesn't really matter if it's social media or whatever it is. I think it's so easy for us to compare ourselves or constantly Mm -hmm. feel like we're somehow lacking something. Um, but it's, it's just so, 
it's, you're so right about the boundaries. Um, I just Mm -hmm. did a retreat and I talked about how boundaries are actually really kind. Like Mm, the most kind people I know are people with boundaries. Mm -hmm. They say no right away. So like if you ask them to do something and they know that it's going to be a no tomorrow, they just say no then. And I love Mm -hmm. people like that. Like it's so respectful. It's so freeing. It's so freeing because you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, they're not coming or they don't want to do this. Okay, great. I'm moving Mm -hmm. on. Um, Yeah. Why do you think that it's so hard for women specifically to set boundaries? I think because of what we've, you you know, been talking about, we have this culture of be all things to all people at all times and to have, have the business, have the relationship, have the children, have the 401k, have the perfect body. And, and then also like do it with ease (laughs) and like with feeling sexy and confident. Um, so I, I think that's part of it, but, um, yeah, I think also women to women, like we don't really give our each other a break. You know, mm-hmm. I think as women, we put a lot of expectation on each other. And also when I don't have healthy boundaries, I don't honor someone else's healthy boundary. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's similar to kind of like, you know, if we want guys to stop, you know, texting us late at night for a hookup we get to put in a healthy boundary. I think if we as women started honoring other women's boundaries, then I think we would see more health, you know, mm-hmm. and also just being honest with, you know what? Um, I'm not perfect and I'm not trying to be perfect. And, you know, I don't cook homemade meals all the time. I'm not trying to, you know, I think just having a culture of honesty and creating a space where we really, whether that's with a coworker, a friend, creating a small group of of friends to meet together and just saying, Hey, when we meet, like we're putting the Superman cape at the door, like, and, and, and you don't have to have pretense to belong here. Um, and I think that actually is one of the most freeing things we can do. Um, and I also, if we're talking about business, I also think it's good for our business. Like we actually can't have, and and this is where we also get to decide what does success mean to me? So feeling all that pressure at that conference you were at, something that I have continuously do as I've written out for myself, what does success mean to me? And what am I willing to do to get that? And there's, I'm, I'm unwilling to work more than 50 hours a week. I'm unwilling to do it. I want to sleep seven hours a night. I want to work out five days a week. I want to meditate five days a week. I want to have a day, a one day a week completely off of work. I want to have X amount of um, vacation like planned per year. And so those are some of like the boundaries that I have in place for myself. So, you know, oftentimes I see peers that are quote unquote further along than me, but I look at the lifestyle that they have and it's not one that I want. Mm. I don't want to be on Instagram 10 hours a day. I don't want to work a hundred hours a week. I don't want to, if I'm in a relationship, be gone from my partner for weeks or months on end. Like, and so really kind of getting back to like, what does success mean to me? And then staying in my lane, not judging what other people are doing, but saying, okay, that's not something I'm willing to do for the life that I want to have. Um, and so I think that helps 
me stay in my lane and be healthy in that sense. And then just be honest with myself and others when I feel like I'm struggling with comparison or jealousy. And I think the reality is it's like kind of going into a sauna and you're like, oh, I'm in the sauna and I take my towel off and I'm naked and no one else is naked. You know? <laughs> it like kind of takes that one person being willing to go there first. And um, I think that every human is a leader. And I think we all have the permission and authority to be honest. And so I think sometimes it just takes one person to have the courage to say like, I'm freaking tired of this. (laughs) Like, I'm exhausted. I'm working too much and I can't, you know, do the workouts and the meditations and all the things at once. Like I need help. Can you help me? Um, so I think just creating a space of honesty and ultimately I think it sounds cheesy, but Gandhi says, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world. And so if I want to see healthy boundaries, I get to model that first. Yes. I love this. And you're so smart. You're so wise. I mean, Kat, this is stuff that I can't even tell you how many times I've struggled with these same exact Mm. thoughts and I coach so many women who are struggling and it's, Mm. I get it because I, I fall into the trap too. And the truth is like, I remember one time it hit me, I was doing this survey. I was at some physician's conference and they were asking about hours. Mm. They were doing a study on hours of sleep in doctors Mm. and they, I was filling it out and I was like, Oh, I only sleep like five and a half hours a night. And I was like, Mm. um, I actually feel okay. I mean, I guess I, I guess I could probably just sleep. This is the thought I had. I guess I could just sleep five hours. I mean, this is pretty amazing. I mean, what could I do? What could I get at? And I was like, stop, what are you doing? Like, Mm. why are you even thinking that instead of being like, oh, I'm only sleeping five and a half hours a night, I probably should like go to bed earlier or stop working so late Mm. or do this. And I think that we are so in this world of like drive and ambition and hustle and do this and do that. And, and the truth is I could work more. Like I could, I could literally work more every day if I wanted to, but at some point it's things that I value and my priorities are Mm going to fall apart at some point. It's going to totally, the, the walls will start crumbling and I see it all the time. I see relationships breaking down and health Mm. issues because I think that we lack often the insight to say like, we're very ambitious or very driven or we're putting all this pressure on ourselves, but it's actually not coming from within us. It's external. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I love that. You're so, you're so wise. So tell us for the listener, like how do they get, how can they get connected with your work, your podcast, your EMAG, all this stuff? Yeah. Well, thank you. And thank you for your words. I really appreciate that. Um, All of this has mostly come from me not living this way and learning the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, um, I like if I want to function, I can't work 100 hours a week and sleep three hours a night or else my body literally shuts down. Um, So it's it's coming from a space of like, holy cow, like I have have lived this and continue to live this and don't always do it perfectly. Um, 
So yeah, there, there's no perfect person here. <laughs> um, but let's see, where can you find me? My podcast is called The Refined Collective. You can listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. My website is called The Refined Woman. And that's an A-N. And Instagram is The Refined Woman as well. So I am taking a little bit of break of the in-feed posts, but I'm pretty active on stories because I feel good about that right now. <laughs> I love it. I love that you're so honest about this. And here you are, this amazing photographer and have all this amazing work. And you're like, you know, I'm just taking a little break from Instagram like that Mm -hmm. because you're just giving other people permission to do, to give breaks in their life for things Mm -hmm. that maybe they're not feeling right now and stop the rat race. So I love it. Well, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming on the show and thank you for sharing your heart with us and your own Mm -hmm. personal challenges and how you overcame them. We I just so appreciate it. And I know my listeners will as well. Mm, Well, thank you so much for having me. And I'm so excited for what's next for you and your book and everything. So it's it's a big year for you. And I'm excited that we got to connect. Thank you. Thanks, Kat. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. And as always, live brave. So now it's time for Sasha's favorite. What is my pick of the week? Here's something that I cannot live without these days. It is not a beauty item or a skincare item or a makeup item. It is Trader Joe's chili lime seasoning. Now, let me tell you something about this. It is seasoning that you can put on anything. You can put it on fruit and it gives it a little spice. You can put it on quinoa. That's my favorite thing. So, you know, cook a couple eggs, put in some quinoa and then sprinkle the sauce on there. It's like spicy and salty and a little tangy. And it tastes like a, like a lime or jalapeno like chip. It's just so yummy. I put it on veggies, roasted veggies. I put it on eggs. I put it on everything, chicken, meat. It's just wonderful. And you will love it. And it's actually fairly healthy. It has a pretty good um, index if you look at the seasoning and you're going to love it. So check it out. I'm telling you, you got to get some. This has been an HSG production.